All right, so before we start, let's, let's pray. Um, Lord, we, we come back for you. Um, Lord, I just want to ask that the words that are spoken here um, would be from you and, and not ours, uh, from you alone, from your word, not mine. I pray that the people here would hear them with ears to hear uh, and, and give us minds to understand what you have for us, Father. Um, I just pray that you would bless us in this time as, as we study your word. Um, and then, Lord, just use it in application. It's your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Everybody's wondering why is Dan up here? Um, so Matthew's officially finished Mark. This has been two, a little over two years-ish. So everybody give Matthew a round of applause. He did really, really good. Um, so he finished the book of Mark, and he's like, okay, let's, he's going let to me, let me speak for a week. Um, so full disclosure. All right. I'm not a biblical scholar. I didn't go to school for studying Bible. I didn't go to school for seminary. Um, nobody ever taught me, said, here's how you interpret scripture. Um, I was never trained on how to study the Bible. Um, in fact, uh, the, there's a couple of gospel, like the gospel of Luke, Hebrews and Acts would actually kind of point to me. If you think about it, I'd be what's considered a Galilean. All right. Biblically, I'm an uneducated man when you look at me on paper. All right. But I know the gospel. I can tell you who I was before. I could tell you who I was before I met, who I knew Jesus was. I could tell you my testimony and, and who I was um, before Jesus changed my life, what my actions were like, what happened to me. Um, and then I can tell you from the time Jesus changed my life, who I became. Um, so I know the gospel. I can tell you how God has blessed me and my family, has blessed this church. Um, I can tell you how he's blessed me both with wisdom um, and financially to be able to help other people. Um, so I have no problem giving you my testimony and telling you the word that God has given me. Um, I study the Bible, the infallible word of God. And that's what I do. Um, and it's not common, really uncommon when you, look, when you think about the church and you see the church today. It's really not uncommon to see that. You see people studying the Bible, teaching each other, blessing each other. Um, and then I think, think about, so I, you think about it, that, that's what happened when Christ came, right? Um, Christ changed my life. Uh, Christ, uh, God provided his word for us to study and learn to teach each other. And then, so I'm not, I may not be biblically trained, but I'm an engineer by degree. Um, so I try to wrap my mind around processes and why do things work the way they do? And when you think about it biblically, I, I think of what Jesus did in the, the, the explosion of the church. And then I think about, well, what was the process prior to that? When we didn't have people preaching the gospel and blessing each other. And I think about what was that process? And that's where we're going to spend our time today. Um, I want you to think of this word, priest. Um, it makes you, I want you to think, what is a priest? In your mind, if you, if you can picture a priest, what would a priest look like? Who are they? What do they do? 
Why do they exist? Um, but primarily, what do they look like? So there's a picture. Um, this is where we're going to hang out for a second. This is a picture of what a priest sort of looks like um, in the Old Testament. If you look at the, the, the Bible in the Old Testament, priests were really introduced around in Exodus and then the duties in Leviticus. Um, and this is typically what one would look like. Um, so a little bit of context. You have this guy named Jacob who gets renamed Israel. Okay, He has all these kids, but 12 of them. Uh, the 12 patriarchs, Reuben, Simon, Simeon, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Isaacar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, and Levi. These are the patriarchs of the, the nation of Israel. Um, all that their descendants became the tribes. So when you hear the 12 tribes of Israel, you're thinking of each one of these patriarchs. Um, and then you think, so there's this one guy that's, the mo that's pretty interesting. He's in Levi. All right. Um, so Levi was the patriarch under which we have the priests of the Old Testament. Everybody, think, everybody knows his name, Moses. All right? You have Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and you got his brother Aaron. Um, they were descendants of Levi. They were descendants of this guy that, under which the, the priesthood began. Um, so... Let's talk about what a priest is in the Bible. Um, we're going to be in Exodus 29. Um, I'm just going to read a few, just a short scripture out of that, um, which I need my Bible, so I'm going to grab it. Um, I apologize, I do not have this, these scriptures on the screen, so if you're old school like me, and this archaic technology with, with uh, latex on pieces of tree... Um, we're going to be in Exodus 29. I'm going to read you a short section of scripture off of it. All right. Um, so Exodus 29 starts, and it will, starts to describe how they would consecrate the priests. Um, consecrate. Talk about what that word means. Um, it's, it means to, to make or declare sacred or dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose to make or declare sacred, um, to dedicate formally to a religious or divine purpose. So Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. We're just going to read verse 4 through 9. You shall bring Aaron, again, priest, in the, under the priesthood of Levi. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them, wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments... And put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastpiece, and gird him with a skillfully woven band of the ephod. And then you should set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with the sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus, you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. All right. So, this picture. This is typically, if you, when you say the word priest, people are going to typically picture something that kind of resembles this. If you picture what, you know, 
um, Catholicism has for priests or just insert where you picture the priest here, it's going to look something like that because that's where it comes from. Um, really doesn't look too different than the priest. If you were to go try to find a priest in the world today, that's what you would typically go find, something that looks like that. Um, just as a note, these priests under, the, under Levi, under this tribe, now under Aaron. So Aaron, is, Aaron becomes our first priest. Um, you couldn't be sworn into this priesthood. Um, I couldn't, they couldn't, uh, if I wanted to be a priest, I couldn't go in and say, hey, look, train me up to be a priest. And they're like, well, are you a descendant of Levi? And I'm saying, no. And they're like, sorry, you're not, you're not born into this priesthood. You can't be. Um, you could not be born in, you'd have to be born into it. Um, you couldn't be adopted into it. Uh, you couldn't do something or get some sort of degree and be all of a sudden be made a priest. That's just not the way it worked. You had to be a descendant of Levi. So let's talk about what priests did. Okay. There's a few things that they did. Uh, we see some examples of this. So they teach um, in the book of Ezra. Ezra was a priest and a scribe, and it's a, the book of Ezra says how he set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Malachi, in chapter 2, it says, I have sent this commandment to you that my covenant with Levi may stand. True instruction was in his mouth, for the lips of a priest shall guard knowledge, and people shall seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So we've established that priests teach. Got it. That's the easy one. That's kind of what we see today, right? Um, you see evidence of priests uh, having some involvement in judgment in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, if any case within your towns is too difficult to you, you shall come to the Levitical priests and to the judge who is in the office those days, and you shall consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision. So you get this priest that's kind of helping to help make judgments and help guide the people of Israel. Um, and then you see examples of them blessing the people. So you have priests where Moses tells Aaron, Aaron is our first high priest. And you, Moses tells Aaron, go bless the people of Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 30, the priests and the Levites around, arose and blessed the people and their voice was heard and their prayer came to the holy habitation in heaven. So you picture the priests now you have, so they're, they're teaching, uh, they're, they're helping to judge, they're blessing the people, and they're starting, they're, they're the, like, the kind of intermediary between the people and God. They're the ones who are saying, let's pray for the people, because the people are here, we're the established priests, and we're going to pray to God. And then they would do one other thing, which uh, we see plenty of evidence of in Leviticus. Um, in Leviticus 17, we see examples of people would bring their sacrifices, but the priest the priest shall prepare the sacrifice, sprinkle the blood of the altar from that sacrifice, a blood on the altar of the, at the, blood on the altar from the sacrifice at the entrance of the tent of meeting. All right, um, so the tent of meeting. I described this last time I was up here, but picture a, it was literally a tent uh, about as long as this room, about 15 foot wide, 15 foot high. And that's what the priests would go into when the Israelites were in, the, were in the middle of the wilderness. So you're in the middle of the desert. All the Israelites are there. And you got these priests that would take the blood that were sacrifices. And they would sprinkle on the altar, atone for the people's sins. They would do all that stuff. And they were the only ones allowed into this tent of meeting. 
um, also known as the tabernacle, um, eventually becomes the temple. So when you hear tabernacle, tent of meeting, te um, temple, they're, they're all the same thing. You have these priests that can go in there and you got all these people outside. Here's a sacrifice and just kind of sitting back waiting for the intermediary to do the prayers, to do the sacrifices for the people. I'll tell you a story. Um, when, before we moved here, we came and checked out the area. We went to, and um, we're from Georgia. And when we came here, we stopped at St. George, and I was like, look at that temple. All right. So we went, and we looked, walked the grounds of the temple, um, just try to see, you know, what was, this, uh, what was this all about. And we met three individuals outside the temple. And there's a male and two females, and we were talking to them, and, and we asked them, we were like, well, how do you, how do you, can, you, can we go in there? And they said, well, no. And then you have, we had one male, he said he, he could go in. We had another female, I can't remember if she was able to or not, but then we asked the third female, or the, the second female, and she said, well, I'm not worthy to go in the temple. Um, and it stood out to me, when you think about priests in the side of the temple and the people outside, I was like, huh, that's interesting. So let's, I'm going to come back to that, but insert Jesus. All right. Jesus, the man who said in John 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In Hebrews 10, 1 through 14, it describes Jesus as a better high priest. So picture Aaron, okay? He's the high priest. Aaron's the one going in that temple, doing all the, sac the sacrifices, doing the atonement for the people's sins. And Jesus is the better high priest. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 says, um, priests would offer the same sacrifices and over and over again, but it would never take away sins. That's what Hebrews says. It would never take away sins, but Christ, quote, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. So he sat down at the right hand of God. It's a really, really important image to picture. Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God. Um, what that does is it, it's, it, it exemplifies that our high priest is done what he has to do. See, in the past you had Aaron and any other high priest come in every year and do that sacrifice for sins over and over and over again. And then you have this picture now of Jesus, insert Jesus, who's now sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Um, he's the better high priest and nothing more is needed. I question, I was thinking about this. When you, you hear that all the time, nothing more is needed. What does that mean? Nothing is more is needed. Um, why did Jesus do what he did? We have priests. Why did Jesus do what he did? So you're going to hear, there's a lot of things that comes to our minds. Everybody says, Sin. Perfect. He came to beat sin. Why? People say, to save us. Agreed. But why? You know, I think about um, the love of God um, and how much he loves us. Um, we fail a lot of times to match what that took. Like, it's easy for the church to look at and say, God loves you so much. But you got to realize what he did 
to show his love. Um, so why he came to defeat sin to save us. And the real answer, yeah, he loves us. So what do you do with the people you love? Think about, I don't know, pick two. Two people that you love more than anybody else in the world. What do you want to do with those people? You want to protect them. You want to love them. I think about my wife, think about my kids. Um, don't have to like them all the time, but I have to love them, right? Um, but I really do enjoy, I think about why, you know, so I love them. What does that mean? I want to be around them all the time. You ask my wife, um, she's counting the minutes till I get home because she loves me so much and she wants me to be around. She does. She, when we first got married, I would come home from work and she'd be on the balcony of our apartment. Like, and I, she, it was funny. She would, she'd do this. I'd, I'd see her. I'd like come and come from the, the parking lot and she'd be doing this uh, before she had a job. So she didn't have anything to do. Uh, true story. Um, but it's true. So you may, why sin? Why to save us? Why? He loves us. Why? He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. The end goal of the entire gospel, the entire Bible is to God to dwell with his people. Um, so I know I'm kind of piecing this all together. You got pieces. God wants to be with us, wants to dwell among us. And you're like, how does this have anything to do with priests? Um, who are the people, when you think about it, who are the people outside their tabernacle? You got these priests inside. You got these people outside their tabernacle. That's us, apart from Christ. That's us. That's the, the majority of the world around us right now. It's easy to look at the Old Testament and say, well, it's not really applicable. It's old. You have Jesus now. I'm like, you got to understand the why because people are still sitting outside the presence of God. Um, if, if you aren't a believer in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's you. I don't want that to come across as harsh as it is, but it's the truth. Um, See, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the Holy Spirit, God himself, inside that tabernacle, God, Matthew preached on it, it was the last week or the prior week, talked about that veil that was torn from the top to bottom. And that veil was torn, the Spirit of God, it's just like, well, where does it go? Well, Jesus said, well, I must go so the counselor can come. The Spirit of God that was in the temple that was in that tabernacle, that was in that tent of meeting, um, now dwells inside us. First Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? The Holy Spirit, God himself, dwells in the believer. See, so if, if, if my body's the temple um, and the spirit of God dwells in me, right? Um, I'm going to try to be as careful as I can, all right? Um, look, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I want you guys to hear the truth, okay? Um, my body's a temple. If you're a believer in Christ, your body is the temple. Churches with temples got it wrong. 
if, if I need to do something to reach the presence of God, why did Jesus come? Because that's the way it was before. I could have just gone right back, get my 15 by 15 by theater-wide long tabernacle and had a priest go in and atone for my sins and all that stuff. So if I still need a temple, why would Jesus come and do what he did? Um, so I'm going to come back. Um, priests. So where are they? Who are they? And what do they look like? There's a picture that Terry's going to put up there. That's what they look like. If I had an opportunity, I would have taken a picture from right here and sent it back to you and put it up there. Um, when you're born again, when you're born again through faith in Jesus Christ, meaning he's, he's God, he's our high priest, he was the perfect sacrifice for the propitiation or appeasement of sins. Um, you understand the full, that the full sacrifice of sin was made in Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, the, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. If you're a born, born again believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Where's the temple? You are. So, who are the ones with direct access to God now? We have people sitting outside the temple. We got priests inside the temple. Now the Holy Spirit get, lives in us. Who are the ones with direct access with, to God? We are. Um, we are born again Christians. Gives you a different perspective on the term born again. When you hear Jesus says, unless one is born again, they cannot enter in the kingdom of God. It goes back to the very priesthood we were just talking about. That priesthood that was developed under and the descendants of Levi and under Aaron. So you got Levi and you got Aaron. They had to be born into it. And Jesus is kind of reiterating the same thing he, over here. He's like, there's nothing you could do. You can be born into it. Somebody tell me in this room, if you could decide to be born if you, could be, if you could decide to be adopted, you don't control that. So how do you get born again? It's not up to you. The answer is, who are the priests? We are. And somebody said uh, once, he's like, oh, well, you know, can, can I be a priest? Well, it depends. Are you black? Are you white? Are you brown? Are you yellow? Are you red? Are you a woman? Are you a man? Are you a son, a daughter? Are you a boy, a girl? Are you insanely rich? Or are you homeless on the street? You can be a priest. Because the priesthood isn't dependent on you. It was dependent on Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a, a stone, a, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. It's called the priesthood of all believers. Not... Hmm. 
I just, I think about the people that are still outside the temple. And that's the rest of the world. That's the world minus the church, the believers in Jesus. Um, we are the ones with direct access to God. You don't need somebody else to talk to God. How many of you have ever had somebody say, hey, you're, you're a little closer to the man upstairs. Could you say a prayer for me? I had to say, you can, they can absolutely talk to God. And he's gonna, he can, he'll hear their prayer. But are you closer to God than that person is? Well, yeah, he lives right here. Don't you want, don't you want to be close to God too? Because God wants to be closer to you. Just as close, just he is, is close to me. You don't need somebody else to speak to God for you. You don't need a medium inter intermediary to understand the word of God anymore. I don't need a priest to stand up and saying, here's the interpretation of scripture. And I have the holy infallible word of God right here. And now I tell you, hey, look, why did Jesus come? You know, to defeat sin because he loves us, right? Because he wants to dwell with us. He does. He dwells with us. He now lives, he's now reconciled with, with me, with you if you're a believer in Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Um, and here's the next question. Where are the priests? Everywhere. Um, you know, I think about when Jesus said, you, know, you, see, you see the church talk about the miracles Jesus did through his ministry and then the, the apostles. And Jesus says, you know, there are greater things to come than this. And it's like, well, what are the greater things? He just took a group of priests that were th this many and he spread them throughout the entire world through you and me. So you guys are probably thinking, well, this is great. Dan, you, know, you educated me a bunch of stuff on what priests are and, and who they are today. Um, and then you're thinking like, well, what do I do with this information? So I'm a priest. Great. I don't have to wear uh, the, the turban, all, all that stuff. Um, because that's what our priests look like. So what do we do? The responsibilities are still the same. You teach the word. I want to be careful with this one. I want you to listen to the whole explanation before I say the word. But we judge. If you notice the priest in the Old Testament, they judged and they helped counsel the people within the nation of Israel, the chosen people of Israel. Judgment of the priests within the church is for within the church because we know better. Christ is sanctifying us every day of our, of our walk. Um, so we hold each other accountable. I've had people in this room hold me accountable plenty of times. Love it. I'm going to hold people in this church accountable plenty of times. Hopefully you love it. <laughs> um, but it's what we're supposed to do. Conflict within the church can happen. Right? It's our job is to protect the church. It's our job to hold the church accountable. But if you have a person sitting outside the temple, outside the church, outside salvation of Christ, right? That is not our place to judge. God calls them. We educate them. We show them what Christ believers look like, right? Um, 
We bless each other. The same way priests would bless the people. I see that all the time with some people in this church. People that are in need. People that are reaching out to each other on our, on our group me app. Saying, hey, look, I need prayer for this. I need prayer for this. A lot of stuff that doesn't even happen on there. That's where there's examples of this church where people are blessing each other. Um, that's what priests do. The responsibilities are the same. Sacrifice. Spiritual sacrifice for the kingdom. How do you serve? What small group are you plugged into? You know, I can't make it there. I got this other stuff. I get it. Stuff comes up. But are you sacrificing spiritually for the kingdom? You see, the, the church isn't just a club of believers. It's a royal priesthood. So if you know Christ, you teach, hold the church accountable, bless each other, and serve each other. That's it. That's it. So in the minutes, a worship team's going to come down, and it's going to lead you guys in a song of worship um, in response. You guys can come down, by the way. That was kind of the leading remark. Um, so if you're, a if you're a believer, teach, hold the church accountable, bless each other, and serve each other. If you aren't a believer in Jesus Christ, got it. Jesus is not your God. If he's not your Lord and Savior, if you're not sure about this whole entire thing, um, him dying on the cross, resurrecting, um, I want you to know that spiritually you are on the outside of the temple. Um, spiritually, you can have access. To, it's that guy you're like, you, you pray to, you're like, are you even real? Do you even exist? Um, that guy loves you so much. He wants to dwell in you um, the same way he dwells in me. I, I think about those three people we met at the temple. And I pray that, that they realize that it's not a temple they're trying to get into. It's God trying to get in them. See, they, they, they're at the point where they're like, I hope if, if they have a temple, if they're relying on somebody else to do sacrifice for them, they have to hope that somebody made the right sacrifice. They have to hope somebody's going to save them. They have to hope that the right things are happening, that when they come to the end of this life, that they're going to be with him. They have to hope that somebody else is. The truth is, somebody's already made the sacrifice. All you got to do is believe it. You don't need to feel like you, you don't need to feel like you need to sit outside the temple. The spirit of God can just come live in you. So don't take it from me. I'm just a Galilean. I'm not speaking to you because I was trained on Every single scripture in this book, if you ask me, if you gave me a verse that said, find it, John 3, 16, I'd find it. Um, I'd find it eventually, but I won't be able to rattle off to you. Um, but I'm speaking to you regarding who I was. I was a sinner. I was lost. I had no hope. 
I had no access to God. But now Jesus has redeemed me through his perfect sacrifice. So call me a priest, call me a pastor, you can call me local idiot, you can call me anything you want to. Um, I really, really don't care, it's okay. You're not gonna offend me, I'm from New Jersey. Um, but I have access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's all enough, that's, that's enough for me. So here's my challenge, if you don't, or for, for all of you, do you. Do you have access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And if you don't, do you want it? 